Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News. In the morning, we have with us the one and only patriarch of the tra- of the Church of the Trash Panda. The one and only Velas is here. Velas, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hello, my friend. Uh, hello, my children. <laughs> my thanks to... Uh, hello, Padre. <laughs> our... Uh, our uh, what do you call it? Army of the Undead out there on Discord for the... Uh, uh, avatar i'm using today yes i love that so and yes cj is still with us i know there's been some people asking this question he's he's still out there he's coming back it's just he's got some stuff he's, he's taking care of right now yeah, exactly exactly so with that being said vela's lots going on lots to discuss where do you want to take us brother yeah i'm gonna um this whole program today folks is uh uh, it's not <laughs> it's not going to be an archaeology show um but uh it's my take on a number of things going on right now and uh v and i had kind of an epiphany last uh last friday when we got together for dinner mm. so uh i'm going to walk through a number of things i'm going to uh, reference a lot of tom luongo's program from last uh thursday last week mm. So, uh, let me jump into it and, uh, I'll, I'll mention this at the end of the program. Um, again, that, that I know it takes a while for folks to kind of, uh, find out that Twitch is broadcasting or whichever service you're using. So, uh, for those of you who joined late, you may want to, or friends of yours who joined late, you may want to re-listen to the front end of this. So, uh, strap in, this is, this is a big one. So I'll start here. Uh, as we've often discussed on Rogue News, no one in the mainstream media wants to tell you anything of any value. It's been said by many and often, uh, and to oversimplify, who pays their bills? Advertisers. Uh, that and usually the private equity organizations that run one of the five big media houses that control most media in this country. So do advertisers want you informed? No. They want you to consume products. And to use another often said saying, uh, and I quote, the truth is too precious a thing to be left to the average person, unquote. Yep. Now, I saw this firsthand in Washington, D.C., where they'll often say the most valuable commodity in any circle of government, not just the United States, is information. It's more valuable than money. And I saw also within many corporations who've been my clients, both large and small, how jealously truth is protected. So the media wants us all entertained and consuming, not informed. Uh, the second key takeaway on this is, is that the CIA operation Mockingbird, uh, that's no rumor. Uh, that is true, and it's been vetted many, many times by many authors and many researchers. Mockingbird was an actual true CIA operation, and quite frankly, it never ended. The U.S. intelligence community has a heavy hand on our media, and they'll often feed us psychological operations in between the entertainment. And that's also true of, uh, globally of many countries' intelligence agencies. And then lastly, intelligence agencies are also major players in the global world, or global, if you will, in world events. They have a vested interest in certain narratives, not the truth. From financial programs on TV to news programs, they're all spinning various narratives who have little to do with reality and a lot to do with keeping us all confused. They want us confused about why all of a sudden now are we having efforts to arrest Donald Trump? 
Uh, are other banks out there stuck with bad 10-year bonds? Because as we all know, that's the real reason why SVB went under. I'm kidding. Will the Federal Reserve raise interest rates too fast and all the rest of it? Uh, my friends, we are through the looking glass today. Mm. Clausewitz once said, war is the continuation of politics by other means. And I've often argued in graduate school and other academic you know, circles that uh, economic war is still war. It's just without the tanks, but people still die. I never forget one of the reasons for the Ukraine war is this conflict over the future of what kind of economic system will be used globally. Russia, China, and others have their own ideas on what kind of economic system they want, and the war in Ukraine was fostered to change their minds, along with many other reasons. What led me to today's conclusions are at the heart of why I keep talking about why it's critical to have multiple sources of information. And by that, I don't just mean people in one particular discipline, but across disciplines. So it's people like Tom Luongo, who Rogue had on last Thursday, Gerald Salente, Robert Bet David, Robert Kiyosaki, and when it comes to economic events and investing. It's why also for, uh, terribly sorry, Patrick Bet David, I don't know why I said Robert. Uh, it's also why for high-level overviews and periodic detailed analysis, you need Rogue News, Mike Moore at True Pundit, The Amazing Polly, Brendan O'Connell, Derek Bros, and the list goes on. Equally, why it's important to also have uh, Matthew Arrett, uh, because Matthew provides the deep historical view and the deep historical timeline on many times the all-important why of many current realities we face, or to even say more simply, where did this all start? That the events we face in our world didn't just come out of the blue, or they're just not a manifestation of things that have happened the past five years. So Tom Luongo, who was on Rogue News on Thursday, March 16th, and by the way, please listen to that broadcast if you haven't. You can find it on roguenews.com. I think it's still available on, on Twitch. But uh, I listened to that broadcast several times, uh, and I had my notebook out listening, listening to that because there was just so much there. More was said on that broadcast about the what and the why of many things going on in finance and currencies than a lot of other sources. Every news item you read about U.S. banking, the Federal Reserve, and related needs to be filtered through what Tom said on that program. And frankly, all those automated bots trying to stop us on YouTube and related should be more afraid of that broadcast than anything we ever said on Rogue News about COVID. Tom is awesome, and also be sure to check out his work if you can uh, on Patreon. So let me offer some thoughts uh, about a, a number of the things that he said. And he's several. Uh, he's one of several people, in my opinion, you would want to monitor regularly, especially about all things financial. And the other thing that he helped highlight is not just what's financial, but basically the misunderstandings around certain global events we have who are simply interpreted as wars or non-governmental organization initiatives and other events who are not isolated. Tom's broadcast was some seriously powerful stuff. And by the way, he totally nailed it about Credit Suisse a week ago. And by that, I mean UBS's moves to buy Credit Suisse. Now, I don't mean that he said that that was going to happen, but he laid out what the situation was concerning Credit Suisse and a number of other factors around it. And he also called it probably a year ago due to his own research and analysis. Now, Tom often references what he calls the Davos crowd. And for all of you at home. Uh, that's essentially the globalists. So I'll use those two words interchangeably today. So a number of things that Tom said on that program, and there was a lot he said, but I'm just pulling out a couple of, of key ones. First, you've had key global central bank presidents who are stepping down or being forced to step down for a very important reason. They are architects of the financial policies been followed for some time. There's a need for both new blood, but also several of the new central bankers are anti-Davos or anti-globalist, if you will. Both of those things are very important. To paraphrase the work of Naomi Prinz, who wrote the well-known book Collusion, many of the big financial folks out there all went to the same elite schools. They come from the same elite backgrounds. They have a lot of the same economic philosophies. Now, without even needing to go into the goals of the globalist cabals, Naomi Prinz was very pragmatic about another reality. It's a Nomi Prince, bro. Nomi. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I I know that because I used to have a crush on her. That's why. I I see. Um, The the, all of these folks coming from these similar backgrounds creates a lot of echo chambers and groupthink uh, among these financial leaders. 
And markets can be collapsing, and oftentimes these these very same leaders will just say, stay the course. Second, the Davos crowd may have a huge influence in many areas of the U.S. government, but they never succeeded in taking over our biggest financial organizations and their leaders, except for certain private equity groups like BlackRock. Third, the current Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, who you can love or hate, as the case may be, is a watershed difference uh, versus his predecessors, and he's now decided to blow up LIBOR which is the London interbank offered interest rate in favor of SOFOR, which is the secured overnight financing rate. That's huge, folks. It's very huge because it changes the cost of borrowing. Yeah, massive. The fourth item is Japan is playing a larger role in current financial events than most people are aware, and that's also been missed. The fifth item is once Jerome Powell and others went in this direction of LIBOR and related, it took time till it started to manifest in various markets. And that time is now, and it's why current actions by the Davos crowd is an attempt at counterattacks, if you will, or even what in military parlance is known as a holding action. This is what we're witnessing when SVB, or Silicon Valley Bank, goes under in the U.S., caused by the Davos crowd, according to Tom, and the U.S., sorry, and the U.S. goes after Credit Suisse, who Powell had been calling out as far back as last summer. So now the Davos crowd will attempt moves to cause problems for other U.S. institutions, but in many cases, the U.S. has the advantage. The U.S. will block those moves and then hit Davos again with a new move because it is literally economic warfare. We may be confused into believing we're just witnessing another series of bank weaknesses or events even reminiscent of 2007 and 2008 that have a heavy U.S. focus, but that's disinformation. The sixth item is, And this is a very important detail among many with with Silicon Valley Bank. Most of the time when the FDIC or other financial bodies in the U.S. are about to prop up or even seize a bank for the quote-unquote good of the markets, they'll wait until the end of the business day. Tom pointed out that if you, especially if you look at the example of what happened in 2008, they often waited until the markets closed or at least East Coast U.S. time. Tom pointed out they took out SVB around noon Eastern time at the height of the business day. That move is both symbolic and powerful. Seventh, when you review who SVB Bank was investing in and who they were backing, you can see more of what was going on. Sure, the media is zeroing in on that bank's bond situation and even looser governance controls and weak leadership among its executives. That's disinformation yet again, because there's a ton of financial institutions who, shall we say, are a bit shaky. SVB was targeted like a military operation, and Tom outlined very well how that occurred. Equally, look at who SVB was supporting. They were heavily involved in technology, bio-research, and climate technology firms. You can read that last item as green energy. These are the very industries who are aligned with Davos' goals. We'll get into that in a bit. Let's also delve into a possible revelation about Donald Trump in today's topic. Also, this is not a pro or anti-Trump bias on my part. I'm just outlining his role in this drama. Like many things out there, especially with the Donald, we're drowning in theories. Some of those being his run for president was to enable generational influence for his family, or his run for president was supported by elements in Israel with funding from Saudi Arabia. And then, of course, we have the ever popular one regarding his love of country and tapping into populist sentiment to save America from the globalists as well as even other Americans. I pointed out on a prior program the data from the books of Kenneth Gronbach, such as his book Upside and his other book, The Age Curve. Kenneth is a researcher who delves heavily into demographics, and he's advised major corporations, and he's advisor to a number of people. I mentioned on a prior show, if you read Grunbach's work, and specifically the book Age Curve, you pretty much have the game plan for how Donald approached voters by demographic and issue. Tom Luongo said something interesting on his broadcast regarding the Donald. I'm not sure Tom's right, but his thoughts have the right degree of circumstantial evidence behind them. What Tom said was, you have several moves for years by the Davos crowd to take control of both the political and financial systems of several key countries. Now, they succeeded with Britain, and of course, we have to remember, Britain has the whole London Corporation thing anyway, but they failed with a number of other countries. What Boris Johnston, Queen Elizabeth, and Donald Trump understood was that reality. It's why all three, according to Tom, were a problem for the Davos crowd. Queen Elizabeth, despite much who could be said about her during her reign, in the final few years of her life, she did have a meeting with Donald Trump. Now, the old girl had to deal with two huge problems for England, including her own subservience legally to the London Corporation and the Davos influence in the UK. 
But we also have to remember Donald's foreign visits and why he made them during his administration. They were always very key and only a handful of them. And if you'll recall, right after he became president, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, the literal first thing he did was jet off to Saudi Arabia and Israel and fly directly between both countries, which usually has been a no-no in international affairs. So his visit to England also appears to have had a deeper significance. Perhaps the Queen was trying to set up Chuck when he became president to take the Davos crew down a notch, or maybe weaken the London Corporation, who knows. You can make the argument that sheds light on Donald's presidency as an effort to block takeover by the Davos crowd of U.S. financial interests and control of our government. If you want one of the real reasons why the elites probably hate Trump, that would be it. There are many who have quite rightly said if Donald Trump believed in many things, he said during his campaign, then X, Y, and Z should have occurred during his administration. Critics of him are correct when they point these things out because his purpose and his goal and the goals of those backing him were about the financial system and foreign affairs, not necessarily those domestic matters. Probably he also went along with certain stakeholders to gain the presidency in the first place to achieve what he was trying to do, rather than the excuse that's often been given that it was just his ego that made him break with certain parties as soon as he took the presidency. Now, as I mentioned a few moments ago, our, our lovely rogue gorilla, V, and I had dinner last, last Friday, and we covered a number of topics during our conversations. Following what V and I were talking about, I sent some feelers out to a number of folks I know to gather some additional intel, if you will. One of the items of several that were brought to my attention was the following, and it is significant. It's not the answer, but it helps illuminate the answer. So with that, I'm going to take you in a slightly strange direction. Let's talk about West Virginia, the EPA, and a recent co climate conference. This also serves, again, to illuminate my point about diverse sources, because now we're moving away from necessarily the financial focus that Tom had and moving into observations about other things other than directly the financial markets. And I definitely needed to go off-road and get some intel from some other people. Tom really got me thinking about a number of things. There's an analyst I know who pointed out there was a recent West Virginia court case last year that was very important. You see, last year in June, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled on a major case limiting the power of the EPA via the Clean Air Act. Now, your first takeaway on this ruling is to remember what I've said about the Supreme Court. In many situations, the Supreme Court of the United States will always rule on what the Fortune 50 desire more than the law. Second, if those aligned in our government with Davos were going to push green energy, they needed the EPA to have more power to dictate to those who are sources and users of utilities, and I mean all utilities. Now, this was a watershed loss for the EPA because this seriously limited their ability to bully people into green energy compliance. That's not what the EPA is saying publicly, but that is reality. Now, what also occurred around the time of that Supreme Court decision? Jerome Powell started talking about the weaknesses in Credit Suisse. But wait, there's more. If you call now, operators will throw in a free set of steak knives with your order, which in this case is COP26. What is that? That's the United Nations Climate Conference to achieve the Paris Accords and the U.S. framework on climate change. Now, you'll also recall what was one of the big things Donald Trump did during his presidency. He pulled us out of the Paris Accords. Last fall's meeting of the COP26, regardless of public statements, was kind of a bust. Now, why is that? It was realized at that conference major governments around the world have indicated they're not going to cover the multi-trillion dollar cost of these green initiatives. That and we had that nasty little Supreme Court decision just a few months prior to that meeting. What do V and Algo Cowboy always say? Money talks. Money will always go where you get a better return on money. The EPA loss in the COP26 is loudly signaled to self-interested parties who are now massively de-incentivized with no government money to pay for their ambitions. Net-net, money will now walk toward other goals, at least for now. Now that we have kind of this primer, let me drop, drop the why of what I'm trying to cover today. For the globalist community to achieve their goals, they needed several elements in place. Now let's first also review who we're talking about. That's several non-governmental organizations or NGOs, like the World Economic Forum, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, the Atlantic Council, the Club of Rome, the Triretal Commission, and many others. It's also comprised of several of the world's intelligence agencies. And it's critical to point out that means the United States, Britain, France, Germany, Italy, China, and Israel. 
It's also comprised of key personalities like Henry Kissinger, Zbigniew Brzezinski, and the ever-popular George Soros, who of course is managed by Lord Malik Brown of the Lenin Corporation. These various groups do not always agree on all issues. We've talked that, about that before, and they do fight periodically amongst one another. But as I pointed out last week, they're fighting over who are the primary leaders of their common goals, not about whether or not those goals are sound or whether or not they're in any of our interests. Their goals are and have been influenced by the same ideas, philosophies, and theories from the 1800s regarding eugenics, social engineering, elite leadership dynamics, or if you prefer, plutocracy, and the nature of individual worth. In the case of that last item, the importance to them of a return to a feudalistic society, but this time bounded by technology, or shall we say restrained, or in contemporary parlance, technocracy. What is kind of funny, though, is within the context of all those philosophies is just an instinctual desire at the same time by all these various elites to make money off people in the process, to oversimplify profiting from the inoculations, things like BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street advisors buying your house and then charging you rent to live there, various measures to make sure they profit from physical assets while your assets are devalued, and certainly, finally, a massive shift to a green economy and everything that goes along with that. That green energy focus would have literally made certain parties each hundreds of billions of dollars. And now it's faltering, dare one say failing. There are more contributing factors to why the chessboard has been broken than what I covered today. But simply put, the first item, many powerful financial interests and banks do not want to go along with the globalist Davos plans anymore. Key word, anymore. It's bad for their business goals. They don't like being subjugated to the will of a tiny fraction of financial elites outside their own countries. And dare one say a little nationalism has crept in as well. Second, there's a reality not often spoken of, but I assure you it's critical. And this was pointed out to me by another analyst I contacted. There's always a degree of corruption and criminality in any society or any economy, even those who operate very efficiently and positively. It's simply a cost of any organized society in human history. It goes back thousands of years. The point is to not let it become all-consuming. The parasite cannot kill the host. We've been flooded for more than five years now, publicly, globally, of revelations of incredible criminal behavior by elected U.S. government officials, by elected global officials, and on that latter point, just one of many examples I could cite, You all recall my bringing up the little story about the mayor of Seoul, South Korea, and his suicide and what was behind that, as well as investigative and law enforcement agencies like the FBI, international bodies, and the list goes on. Kleptocracy has gone global instead of local. This evidently is another reason for this move against certain globalists, because the system itself, even if it's digital, cannot function at this level of known public corruption. It's simply gotten out of hand. Third, key to enabling the globalists to achieve their goals around human activity, economics, and control was the green economy. Now, I told you last November, the estimate, key word, the estimate to globally transition to a global economy that was green energy-based would take 20 years. And the price tag on that was 130 trillion dollars. Now, we already got a taste of that kind of spending during COVID, as the U.S. alone spent over $7 trillion just on various measures and activities around COVID. Folks, that was more money than we spent in World War II in adjusted dollars. The West Virginia court case is not alone. Global leaders and governments simply can't come up with this level of money, and importantly, nor do they have the will. The level of taxation required would destroy the very system the globalists wish to change. If they cannot achieve their green energy save the earth plans, then much of their whole planning falls apart. And the cascade has now begun. Now more than ever, we have to monitor how this turns out. Case in point, have any of you noticed, because we've been posting it on Discord, that prices on lithium and other green energy technology natural resources have been dropping? Why do you think that might be? perhaps because of what I'm pointing out. Plus, it doesn't mean we're going to avoid major chaos in the markets come June, July, or whatever the time frame's going to be. And Tom alluded to that during his program last week. We're still facing a massive rate war that's going to be unleashed by Powell. 
that and another little tidbit for the year, which you might find interesting. There are whispers out there in certain circles that there is a counter option to the digital economy. And this is kind of outside the whole China-Russian agreements and, and uh, V and, and uh, Gus's comments the other day about, about Mexico. Some are calling it Bretton Woods 2.0 or 3.0, which is basically to sustain the current system we're in, but simply leverage currencies that are backed by some form of commodities, not necessarily gold or other precious metals, but some sort of commodity base. We'll see. Mike Moore this week, by the way, came out of left field and listed a plethora of things going on out there and indicating where we're headed. He got a ton of documents, as he often does, provided to him by his resources in both banking and government about what especially the banks were saying internally at the boardroom level. A data point he shared, among many, was car loan rejections in 2022 were 2% of all car loans. In 2023, and the year isn't over, right now it's 10%. That's massive. That's like about a 400% increase. Banks are completely freezing lines of credit. They're pulling in assets everywhere. They're tightening credit on a biblical level right now for a reason. The banks are discussing internally all sorts of measures that they can take and will take as far as tightening credit and how that's going to impact their operations. I posted to Discord on Thursday a clip from Twitter of an Oklahoma representative asking Janet Yellen whether the FDIC will protect small banks to the degree that they did for Silicon Valley Bank. The short answer of that exchange was no. She said it's up to the FDIC board on a case-by-case basis whether or not they will bail out a bank. Now, that's separate from protecting deposits under 250000 but we're talking about the institutions themselves surviving. The financial war is not coming. The financial war has begun. So from a council perspective, assess everything that's going on in your world that's financially related. Powerful interests are opposed to where the globalists are taking us for several reasons. Now they must create global media confusion to cover up this conflict, both historically and in current time, along with the risks that are associated with it. It's also why recently we've seen so many incredibly weird news stories out there about so many topics. One of the bigger ones being head fakes like Tucker Carlson talking live on national news that the U.S. intelligence community killed a sitting U.S. president. They have to keep us from seeing what's going on. And as I'm fond of saying, Cue the aliens landing on the White House lawn. So as I said at the opening of the show, before I give my last concluding thought, for those of you that joined late, uh, please go back and listen to the, to the start of the program on one of the rebroadcast websites. My final thought for all of you is this. This is not to say the conflict against us individually by elements in the globalist community is over, nor the conflict between the globalists is over. And equally, there will probably still be a pursuit of some kind of digital economy, not the least of which because it enables writing off tremendous debt. As I often say, there was no backout strategy for these people. They were all in. We also are going to have to contend, admittedly, with many of the things they set in motion to achieve their goals, like food shortages, reduced power grid capabilities, social disruptions of many kinds, whether it's the schools or lawfare in our courts, not to mention our ever-popular favorite possible future pandemics. But what it does mean is a major shift has occurred, and that shift is to our benefit, and it does offer some hope. At the same time, the war will rage on. With that, V, I yield the floor. You covered uh, some very, very important points, and I uh, thank you for that. And yeah, the, the, the financial war has begun. Uh, we're in it. Uh, it probably was kicked off in 2008, and now, the, now we're in the, the, the absolute crescendo, the, the zenith, the climax of all this drama that's been occurring you know, since then. And when I'm looking at it, um, it's incredible. There, there are some green shoots, so to speak, in terms of what is going to be beneficial for us. I mean, one of the things that I forgot to mention this week is that the European Union, I mean, out of nowhere, check this out, Velas. European Union, who is so hard bent on no more internal combustion engines, all of that stopping, so on and so forth, they just... Uh, given they've given the green light for e-fuels, okay, mm. and and that is huge. I mean, e-fuels are amazing. 
Uh, I believe there's. Uh, I, I think the future is going to be is going to be you're going to have internal combustion engines that could run on on fossil fuels for a very long time. Fossil fuels are not going away. But just like when you go to your local gas station, you you could have that choice of either fossil fuel or or E85. There's going to be e-fuels that you can put in your car that requires no modification to the vehicle's uh, fueling you know components whatsoever. So for the EU to greenlight, and I, I, I thought that was interesting, uh, especially since that the Volkswagen Auto Group via Porsche mm-hmm. has spent uh, $250 million for an e-fuel research facility about three, four years ago in, in Chile, and they got it up and running. Now you also have other e-fuel firms. Uh, there's another one that, that came up in, in, in England where they're using e-fuels from trash, from agricultural waste and trash, so it doesn't impact food. Number one. And number two, the uh, energy density is incredible. It, it's, it's, tr- it's like double the amount of gasoline. So it atomizes better. And they've already tested it on Mazda Miatas, where the Miata with the e-fuel is getting anywhere between 2 to 7% better fuel economy, which is tremendous, while putting out zero hydrocarbons. So for the EU to give it the green light, it makes me think, okay, who's given them the phone call? Who's told right. them, hey, the, the game has changed. The, the, uh, the, 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 here's the memo. The game's changed. We're not going this route of you'll own nothing and be happy. And also the reality, right? And this is the glaring reality of the West. Okay, The glaring reality of the idiots in Davos. Who? on God's green earth that has half a brain or even uh, just uh, uh, two brain cells to rub together (laughs) will come to you and say, uh, listen, we have this great idea. We are going to greenify the entire economy of the entire planet. Okay, how much will it cost? $160 trillion with a T. If somebody would say, I mean, that just shows you how devoid of reality, how up their own rear ends these people are how up their own rear ends their own delusion like you got to be spending that much time in some wafty ivory tower to be that stupid but yet that's what that's how stupid they are yeah and uh, you know i was trying to allude to it in my opening comments today everyone that that to what v is talking about it reminds me of my days in defense contracting or or even the avalanche of money i hate to say that after 9 11 where a host of new companies popped up with all sorts of homeland security related areas of focus now on the one hand yes the government if we just get the emotion out of the conversation the government did need that level of expertise because they didn't have it in-house it's expensive and the government's just not going to pay for that and keep those sorts of people around unless they absolutely have to but the other end of it is 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 much like the spending that's going on now uh you know one of the problems with age, I guess, is if you've been on this earth long enough, it's like, oh, here we go again. It's like I, I said on a prior show about, God, could you guys come up with some new material? Because it's like, God, oh, it's 1934. Uh, it's 1956. It's it's like you're just blowing shit. You guys are like Hollywood. You can't even come up with anything new. Um, uh, you know, in my local area, I have a, a huge military presence. And the amount of def- defense contractor money right now. I mean, I, I remember sitting in the room looking at people saying, well, yes, we have this this skill set and this capability. We can sell this to the government. But, you know, say it with me. Why is the government even pursuing whatever it might be? And everyone in the room looks at me and just aghast says, shut the hell up. We can make money <laughs> off this. You know, Dude, it's crazy. And it's why it's why there is something to be said for the commercial sector, because you'd have somebody in the room saying, wait a minute, what's our return on investment? Uh, what is the sustainability and expense of maintaining whatever it is we're doing? Because, I mean, you look at the United States right now, and I'll pick a very simple of many items I could pull out. You look at our interstate highway system. I mean, we built it after World War II. We've expand on it. We've expanded on it since World War II. But it's aging infrastructure, yeah. and it was huge. And when they built it, did America need it? Yes. Did it enable massive amounts of growth in this country, along with the space program, by by providing massive amounts of education at the primary and secondary school level? 
Did that enable America's growth for 50, 60, 70 years? Yes. But you got to take care of it. I mean, even the Egyptians had to do some work on the pyramids periodically to keep the damn thing standing. It's yeah. the same thing here. We've got an aging infrastructure. We drop $100 billion on Ukraine beyond the $130 trillion figure for green energy. But yet we're not spending the money on our own infrastructure, which... Right. To quote the old Jewish comedian Jackie Mason, you need a Jewish president because at least then America could turn a profit. Uh, there's something to be said for that. Uh, we have massive amounts of infrastructure in this country that if we just made some some moderate investments, uh, I've got a close friend of mine who's very keen on the EMP topic and America's power infrastructure. Uh, I've had him attend, or he's on his own, attended a number of meetings by InfraGuard, you know, FBI's InfraGuard and other groups who've laid out. There there are multiple, not just papers, but but people that are highly skilled in engineering and so on, who've done the work, they've made the investment with their own time and energy. They're not trying to sell anything for a company of their own. They might later, who knows? But the net of it is, it's like, yeah, we could harden America's power grid at a minimal level. You, there's, a, there's a more expensive option if you want it, but for four to six billion dollars. That's it. It's nothing. That's it. And if you drop, uh, George Norrie has interviewed two different people that are part of this community. Now, for for uh, you know, Mister and Mrs. Customer, or however you self-identify, if you'd like to drop ten to fifteen to twenty billion, well, well, now I can really get you some crazy resiliency and sustainability. Not just it's resilient; we can turn it back on later after we fix some things. But like it can survive the surge, and we're not making that effort by the way gilbert nowak thank you uh, treasury not not fdic i'm always open to somebody pointing out to me if i slip up um and also by the way v there's a there's a question out there about your thoughts on the deutsche bank topic of which i know you have thoughts <laughs> oh man deutsche as you channel your inner G G gus demos well uh <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that, what's gonna that happen. Was, that was one of the banks that that, that I, I I used. That's one of my claims to fame. Here is uh, is uh, is good old Deutsche Bank. They're in trouble. They're in a heap of trouble. Uh, watch out for Satander. Watch out for Deutsche Bank, Commerce Bank. I mean, the list goes on. These banks are all walking zombies. Deutsche's been doing a lot of the dirty work, especially in the derivatives department, taking off a lot of that crap uh, for the Fed itself. And uh, they haven't done anything to get that off their books. They've been playing accounting gymnastics and financial fraud for the last 15 years. And you're going to see what's going to happen. The, the, the chickens are coming home to roost and it's time to pay the piper. Deutsche's a dead man walking and you're going to see it happen real time, folks. Well, and V, not to not to pull a congressional investigation on you here. You you did say yesterday and if if. I misquoted you, correct me. You said it would be Santander Bank first. And if yes. that goes, then you're going to see Commerce Bank and Deutsche Bank. Yep, absolutely. I think uh, I think Cowboy sent me a chart. Uh, Cowboy had a chart? No. Yeah. <laughs> he sent me a... Uh, uh, he sent me a... Oh, there it is. I think I found it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right, I found it. Here it is. Okay, this is just... Oh, these are just the American listings. I, he also sent me the uh, the European listings, and you see, like like Santander is trading for nothing, man. At this point, it's it was pretty bad. It's it's dismal, absolutely dismal, unreal, unreal. Yeah. So you know, and and again, this is more V's area, Algo Cowboys area, Tom's area. You know. Uh, I focus or have expertise in, in, in different areas, but I, I read enough and understand enough of, of what they're talking about. Um, and again, you know, in, in his program, Tom went into detail about a number of the personalities involved. He, he does the sort of thing I appreciate where not a single Western media outlet uh, is saying anything about either Japan or certain events going on internationally in the, in the financial markets. But yeah. Tom is reading the English translations of, uh, the Nippon news out of Japan, you know, and this, I've had this conversation with people before who ask me, well, what, what sources do you use and this, that, and the other. And I've posted a lot of those to the resources section of, of our, uh, uh, discord page. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, is it's it's my age old joke about if you want to know what's going on in your country, you have to go to other countries' news services because your own country's never going to tell you what the hell is going on. And when it came to a number of things, 
about solar events, uh, possible ice ages, uh, just just as far as the Earth's health is concerned. I had people challenging me saying, well, that's a bunch of right, right-wing uh, extremism crap. And I'm like, no, that's the South African press and the Japanese press. But because you won't read anything but American media sources, you're completely cut off from what the hell's going on. Yeah. You've got a, a listing up there. Yeah, this is one of the things that he sent me. The U.S. regional bank stocks this month. I mean, look at this. First Republic down 89%. PacWest, 64%. Western Alliance down 55%. Zions Bank down 42%. Comerica, 38%. First Horizon, East West, Fifth Third, Citizens Financial. MT Bank, that was on my warning list, was MT as well. So there it is. Fifth folks. Third kind of Fifth Third kind of surprises me because um they're cheap. I don't mean as a stock. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've got. I'm gonna pull my inner. I'm gonna pull my inner Gus Demas here. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot of IT people who, in their careers, have worked for Fifth Third. I know a number of people have worked for Fifth Third. They are a cheap bank. They don't spend money on their people or anything worth a crap. However, <laughs> they're they're a very midwestern bank, and so yeah. conversely, you know, okay, uh, they may have a, money somewhere. Yeah, if they have a document, uh, if they have a document that they've scratched out the name of another bank at the top and they're just using it as stationary, you know, uh, not to be indelicate, my fellow Midwesterners are like, I don't have a problem with that. They're keeping costs down. So Fifth Third is a very cautious bank. Uh, they're very, you know, many people bank with them because they're just very consistent. Uh, I will say they have kind of turned the corner the last few years and kind of improved things a little bit, but. I mean, if I ever hear of weaknesses in Fifth Third Bank, it always kind of surprises me because it's like they're very, very cautious about stuff. They don't really put their neck out the way other financial institutions do. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. So, yeah, we will. I know Janet. Uh, Janet. Ah, Janet. Janet Yellen's out there talking to people and doing stuff. And, of course. Well, the rem- football with clipped hair. The football rem- with clipped hair said everything's fine, Vela's. Remember, folks, uh, she is definitely a person who's handed a three-by-five card every morning and told this is what you're doing. Don't you just Uh, love our geriatric ruling class, fellas? Yeah, it feels like the Soviet Union where the premier kept dropping dead every two years. (laughs) Oh, look, the Soviet Union's having another funeral. They don't have anybody left. (laughs) Uh, Only if that was true over here. I I think more of these guys need to be dropping dead from old age. She well, always... jo- Joe's health is always in doubt, and uh, Kamala Joe's just brain is always in doubt. Kamala just keeps laughing nervously everywhere she goes. Uh, her brain is also in doubt. Let this uh, let I this. Mean, God uh, has a sense of humor, doesn't it? On the twilight yes. of the American Empire, this is our leadership. <laughs> to, to quote, to quote from Babylon Five: Ah, uh, here the universe is an evil place, but at least it seems to have a sense of humor about it. <laughs> yeah, um, it does. But uh, yeah, I mean, folks, this is one more example of, of uh, you know, to paraphrase Gus Demas again, uh, we've lived long enough to see, fill in the blank, uh, we've lived long enough to see uh, our own media actually admit to our faces that every single person that seems to represent the United States government is not anyone in any real authority and that the people who are actually running this country, and I don't mean a cabal of 12 white guys sitting around a table in Switzerland, that's a different conversation. I just mean the people behind the scenes in Washington who are actually truly running things. Cause it is, it is not anyone you're seeing on TV. It's my favorite many topics to bring up on this subject, which is would someone please tell me where the hell the football is with the nuclear launch codes? <laughs> Cause it's nowhere near Joe. Uh, what day is this Biden? <laughs> of course he is getting the good drugs. I, I mean, he's, I, I don't know how I'm, I want to know what he's on. He's on some next level advanced Adderall that none of us have access to. Yeah, do you do you know how many nanites and Adderall it takes to keep Joe going at this point? Yeah, exactly. Jesus. I but I mean, it, you hear the stuff the man says at these news conferences and things, and I'll hear little clips of it on on various places. And it's like, how can any of you in the audience, is that canned laughter? Is that canned clapping? I mean, how can you hear what this man is saying out loud and not completely understand that Uncle Bob is completely off his rocker (laughs) and needs a minder at all times? Oh, my God. Yeah, he's he's out of his gourd. (laughs) But, yeah, we will need to see... uh, 
you know, the, the, not to, to, um, throw too much attention on it. I mean, these sorts of things are done for, for political drama, but what happens after this, uh, Chinese Russian, uh, agreement and series of meetings that were held this week, uh, quite frankly, and I, I, uh, am very aware and very saddened by the massive loss of life, but, uh, the Ukraine war is just going to go back and forth. I don't think either side is is prepared to go all in yet on on that one. Uh, it will continue to grind on. I I hope to God that some more agitated or I don't want to use the word extremist. That's not fair. But but as I've raised on a few shows, there's a there's a, a good one, Robbie. Um, you know, there's a number of folks out there, whether Salente or or uh, Brendan O'Connell or a number of others, uh, even Mike Moore's brought it up about this possibility of of somebody getting frustrated and in using using something that looks like the surface of the sun in Ukraine. Um, but you know, Moore had one of his uh, hot wires yesterday, where where uh, he released a number of statistics that I, I one of which I referenced on today's show. But Moore, in his usual way kind of boiled it down it doesn't mean he's right it doesn't mean he's wrong but it's like i kind of cringed when i heard him say it because i thought yeah there's a lot with that mike but yeah i get your point because he said you know every time the global economy and, and let's be candid ever since it became a global economy i mean we're did we have economics in the world in the 1800s yes but they were kind of regionalized but by the 1850s, 1860s, especially following the war between the states and Crimea, we really did have a global economy. It was kind of a slow global economy where we were counting on telegraph, but it really was becoming more of a uh, what in international affairs theory they call an inter interdependent global economy. And once we had that, well, now economic corruption, corrections have to be global. They can't be local. You're not going to have the, whatever it was, the silver crash in the United States of the 1840s or whatever to kind of clean out the books. So World War One, you know, from Moore's perspective, and it's been said by many, was, was of a fashion, it was a form of an economic corruption. It manifested itself as a global war. We took out a couple of countries in the process, whether Imperial Germany, Austro-Hungary, or, or my homeland. Um, but, you know, they cleaned out the books and World War II was a was a huge economic reckoning. Um, oh, sure. We can go down the road of why the war started and borders and Hitler and all these other players. But it's like, yeah, and, and somehow, strangely, at the end of that conflict, we had Bretton Woods and a number of other things. Oh, and if you read the book 43 Laws of Power, uh, we also had Britain kind of tricked into handing over all of its international ports to the United States, which may have not been a trick. That may have just been they outsourced it to us. Who knows? So Moore's point was, every time you have one of these economic corrections, the only way to reset the clock is you need a global conflict. And, you know, in his mind, we're due. You know, it's kind of like an earthquake in California. There's well, going to be one. It's just a question of when and how big. So go ahead. Is, is, is there, I mean, we're already in the global conflict. We're, we're in proxy wars. We're in the economic wars. There's all sorts of subterfuge and and uh uh you know spy craft that's happening in the background there's actual people dying some powerful people that are dying that are being written off as suicides so the war is raging uh oftentimes when we analyze things we we can think that it's going to be as it was right uh, it's the it's the 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 Thalucides trap it's Athens and Sparta it's all these other stuff that people talk about which is this utter nonsense it doesn't really apply uh, what i mean by that is this we're living in a world where right now, folks, nuclear weapons are obsolete. I'll repeat that again. We're living in a world where nuclear weapons are rendered obsolete. Okay? What I mean by that is this. Nukes are dangerous. Okay? And what is more efficacious than a nuke, and if you really think about it, would be a hypersonic. And, of course, I'm, not, you know, I'm, I'm talking about low-yield nukes and all these other things right. that are available to that. But that's a game changer. That's number one. So nobody wants to get to a level where we're lobbing full-on nukes. And that's the reason why I say it's kind of obsolete, right? Because nobody wants to get to that level. Nobody wants to go there. And, and, and believe me, there are, there are crazy nut jobs in the neocon uh, community and, and the neoliberal community that are stupid, that are uneducated, that are miseducated idiots and morons who think that they can set off the mushroom clouds and there's no recourse. Would you be thinking of Mr. Bolton, perhaps? Yes. He, 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 the maniacal mustache and, and, and Pompeii and all these other idiots would be the same thing. Now, 
there are smart people, thank God, that are still in this military as it goes woke, as it goes diminished, as the twilight on the Republic and the twilight of the American Empire sets, um, that still have their brains intact and they understand what the absolute catastrophe that would be. Because by the time the, the Russians detect an actual ICBM launch from anywhere in the United States, by the time, before that ICBM even, you know, is in its second stage, there'll be a hypersonic down Washington, D.C.'s throat within, within 10 minutes. It's, it's not even a joke. It's, it's not even close. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. So the reality of what's happening is the war is full tilt. And it is being fought, but it, the war is fought asymmetrically. Today's wars are fought, especially among powers, especially among nuclear superpowers. It is fought asymmetrically. It is fought with color revolutions. It is not fought with standing armies. Standing armies are only used as pawns to create leverage and pressure. This is why Brzezinski is always talking about the grand chessboard, right? Color revolutions, intelligence operations, uh, NGOs, all these are part of statecraft. This is the new warfare. So it's, you know, we're, while, you know, there is that whole, we're going to go nuclear, uh, you know, World War III type scenario, it's not going to happen. What we're seeing right now, especially with the United States, which is, completely being emptied out in terms of ammunition, in terms of, you know, uh, combat readiness. And I told you, I got a, a client of mine who was within the nuclear forces in the United States and then went on to head up a very high level uh, position over at the NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. We are dilapidated in terms of not only our nuclear power plants and infrastructure, but also our nuclear weaponry. Case in point, fellas, you know, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, and, and you're, you're a little bit older than I am. Um, do you remember in the eighties, like I, I'm an aviation buff, right? I love same aviation. here. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when, when the, um, the advanced tactical fighter program started, the ATF program started between the F-22 and the, and the beautiful, much more superior YF-23 Black Widow. Do you remember that? Not only do I, not only do I remember that, I actually uh, near where I live was one of the engineers that was involved in the twenty three, and I I was uh, just recently out of college and saw uh, I was going on a date with his daughter, uh, and I I saw I saw this big this big mock up of it in his office, and like I walked right past her into his office and started talking to him about that, and of course he was looking at me critically at first. After that, he was like, you know, you really need to go out with this guy more. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it was it was a it was a fine aircraft, and yes, I remember the development window for both. Yep. So we saw it. I I, I was glued to my television set. I, I had my issues of Aviation Week magazine. I was reading the entire competition between Lockheed and Northrop Grumman. You know, the YF twenty three Black Widow versus the F twenty two Raptor. And it was, I, I was rooting. I was, an, I, I'm, a, I'm a YF-23 plan. It was, it was the better plane, but it lost. In the end, it lost. But the fact is that we saw that. Same thing would happen when the stupid piece of junk flying turd that can't turn, fight, or do anything. The F-35 piece of shit was flying against that ugly Boeing XB-33, which is just an ugly, horrendous aircraft. But the fact of the matter is, we saw the competition. It was leaked to the press. Now, check this out. America's unveiling... The new B-21 Raider, Raider, the Raider. They just showed a model mock-up. We've never seen the damn thing fly. There's no pictures of it flying. There's no pictures of it taxiing, right? And then they said, oh, we're going to we're gonna fly it at such and such a date. They just postponed it for like another year. I mean, what? And now the, the U.S. is like, we're working on a sixth generation fighter. Okay, where is it? It's called EGAD, uh, NGAD. Next generation of uh, air dominance, NGAD, the, the sixth generation. Again, marketing term. Not a single working model have I seen. And I've been scouring the internet. I've been scouring some of my old sources for information on the NGAD. It only exists on paper. I think the B-21 is fake. I think it's just a, a slightly modeled up B-2. That's all <laughs> I think it's fucking fake. It's not an all-new airframe. It's not an all-new aircraft. And the reason why I say that is this. We're out of that talent. The guys, the real brainiacs at Lockheed Skunk Works, the real brainiacs at Northrop Grumman and General Dynamics and Boeing, these brainiacs are all retired. And we see this 
you always, when an empire, when a technological or industrial empire collapses, you always see it in its most advanced machinery. People don't realize that a nuclear submarine is much more advanced than the International Space Station. We don't, we're not fielding next-generation slubs anymore. Look at our aircraft. Look at the Boeing 787. Guess what? It's grounded again. The 787 is grounded again. The 777 9X, which is supposed to be coming out, that's delayed again. Right? The 737 MAX, which just came out after the whole horrendous crash, uh, the crashes that have occurred years ago where you know it was suspended in the Trump administration. It came back. Well, now there's more issues with it. Like, what the hell's going on here? It's incredible, man, what's happening. Well, and, and uh, in the in the time we have remaining, and and given my history with with R and D community for the military, not to oversimplify, but but the focus in technology, for lack of a better word, has gone small. Yep. It's how can we improve the pot? You know, the F sixteen. It's a great plane. It was built a long time ago, but it's a it's a good plane. And I mean, the Israelis have certainly figured out ways to do things with the F sixteen we never even thought of. But mm-hmm. it's about the pods. It's about uh, technologies you can add onto the platform, even the B-52, to, to not just extend the, the, uh, the airframe's uh, lifespan, but to improve target acquisition, uh, you know, getting through inclement weather, better communication. I know this sounds strange, folks, but we, I mean, I know it came up during the war in Grenada, or war, the military action in Grenada in the 1980s, where it, it got out publicly that it's like, yeah, the Marines can't talk to the Army, can't talk to the Navy. Everybody's on a different frequency because they've all got different radios. Those types of problems still exist, yeah. especially when we're working with, with other European uh, countries. But the topic of the um, hypersonics, now George Friedman, love him or hate him, but Friedman has been talking for 20 years because he he got, it's like uh, uh, Tom Clancy. You know, why did Tom Clancy write such great books? Well, because he was getting inside information. He got got fed information as an insurance salesman. So it's the the same thing with Friedman and others. There's a lot of analysts who've been talking for 20 years that the focus is going to be on hypersonics. And I've raised, as I've raised on this show, having a weapons platform or or even a a spy platform, an unmanned vehicle, platform that can move quickly is one thing it's kind of like to to uh another topic v and i are fond of about cars you know certain really great cars from the 1960s and 1970s they were what in in automotive parlance is straight line runners they were really good at driving fast down a straight road but some of those classic american cars sucked in corners and tight twisty roads like europe because they just weren't designed for that so We've always been able to get aircraft that can fly really, or platforms that can fly really, really fast. The problem is is turning. Now, I will say our technology is some of the best when it comes to ground following and radars and similar and, and avoiding obstructions and so on. But again, it's kind of like the military tactics of World War II. You know, the Germans can build a really great tank, but if the United States can afford to lose five tanks to take out one of theirs, never mind the crews we lost in the process, Mm. then Germany's going to lose the war. So this thing about the hypersonics is critical because, uh, and and I'm noticing in the press, that the articles are starting to come out now by a lot of people saying, hey, wait a minute. Because, you know, people have said, well, Russia's running out of weapons. That's why they're buying stuff from Iran. And it's like, yeah, maybe. But the other end of that is is Russia may be buying weapons from other countries because they're trying to hold on to the hypersonics they have. And I said months ago, even a year ago, the performance of Russia's hypersonics surprised a lot of people. The accuracy, not just the speed, but the accuracy uh, and the ability at long ranges for those weapon systems to hit their target. That's very, very hard to do. You can make something that's fast. You can make something that avoids uh, obstacles on the ground or what have you. But, you know, there's always been this thing that America can get a piece of ordnance within a foot or two of what we're trying to hit. The Russians could get something that could get within a football field. Well, the Russians have shown they're getting a lot better. Now, the stuff is still expensive to build. It takes time. But, yeah, if if things hypothetically were to to get accelerated i won't use the word out of control but if things were to start getting accelerated um it it you know friedman friedman uh rolled simulated that out war game to that out in one of his books that you know and, and by the way folks don't believe for one minute because i'm telling you it's true uh japan has been working very quickly <laughs> on a lot of hypersonic capabilities and that doesn't necessarily mean that japan would use those 
for things that the United States wants them to use them for. So this is almost kind of the next genie out of the bottle is, uh, yeah, we have the nuclear weapon topic and we have the EMP topic, but what, what can you do with a hypersonic? Because, I mean, we've already demonstrated they were used in, in uh, Serbia uh, in the 1990s uh, to have drones that just fly over certain targets and just uh, immerse the area in electromagnetic interference and fry out power power plants and everything else. Well, those, you know, comparatively moved at a few hundred miles an hour. What happens when you have something that can get over a target in an hour or two and it's a, it's a half a planet away? That's yeah. in asynchronous warfare. That's uh, that'll keep people up at night. So, anywho, yeah. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Absolutely. Velos, thank you, buddy. <laughs> there goes the padre of the church of the, of the trash pandas himself, the one and only Velos. Folks, you can get him over on the Discord. I will have the Discord link in the description box. Click on it and join us, join us, join us. Subscribe, like, comment, and share. There's about 60% of you that watch Rogue that have not subscribed. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Hit us with a thumbs up. Leave a comment, good or bad. It's all good. And with that being said, Harley Schlanger is next. Cheers.